Welcome to The Witcher Lorecast, the show that explores the vast lore behind The Witcher games, show, and books. Witchers, welcome back to The Witcher Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with my good buddy, Toasty of Toaster Burgertonshire Phil Hampton Palace. What's up, Toasty? We're talking about spies. We're talking about spies today. When you're yes. a good spy, you have a name that makes it seem like you're from somewhere somewhere else. So you can, like, sneak in. Right? I don't know the exact naming conventions of Rodania, so I don't know if that's actually, like, if this works in this situation or not. Yeah, well, um, maybe it does. I don't know. So I, I just know that the only naming conventions I know are Vitsamir and Radovid. Those are the only two I know when it comes to Redania, really. That's so. it. Yeah, yeah. So today's episode, we're talking about Dijkstra. Dijkstra. Sigismund Dijkstra. I feel like mm-hmm. this is the kind of name that you have to say with like a really strong, I don't know, Austrian accent or something. The words seem very foreign to maybe, our English maybe. mouths. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna try and pin the the name origin on this one. So yeah. Well, Dijkstra is. Um, He's an interesting dude. We've got a lot to go over. So where do we start? I mean, he shows up in the games, the books. TV show. He's all mm-hmm. over the place. He's a very important figure. In fact, he's more important than some of the monarchs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that. So where, where do we start? Uh, so um, he was born in 1219. Um, he was always described as a physically imposing man. Uh, he's a big nearly boy. seven feet tall and bald. Um, and it was said that he had a noticeable stomach that gave the impression of a scrubbed pig. <laughs> nice okay um his eye color actually uh changes depending on what like he's being presented in um in the books they are azure um Mm. but in the games he uh, the the like the model form have brown eyes um and then in the tv show the actor has blue eyes so back on the like azure side of things yeah i wonder why that was changed in the games usually the game details are really pretty accurate for a lot of stuff that just doesn't need to be changed like yeah. eye color things like that maybe to like give the an impression of less striking as like he would have been when he was at the height of like you know so yeah yeah a bright blue eyes can be very piercing they and throw striking. Thing, yeah they like kind of throw the whole vibe of a character off like by a lot so yeah I, I, it's fair um he preferred to dress in uh, flamboyantly in bright colors, um, not like a spy at all, um, but he was a very clever man, studied at the Oxford Academy, um, and as we know, had incredible influence in Redania, especially during the time of like the Northern Wars. Um, he had the title of count, though he was just a commoner, and the, the count title was basically a just a cover for why he was always spending time with the king so was it a legitimate title like was it awarded to him even though he didn't come from a royal lineage or was it just something that like the king called him so that he didn't have to justify why this guy was in his office all the time uh i think because like it's weird because like the king gave him the title as a cover for him being a commoner Mm -hmm. so like 
when you're awarded a title by a king, it usually makes your title official, but it wasn't official because hmm. he wasn't of royal blood. So it Oh, because we, we talked last week about how the royal lines in uh in this kingdom specifically were so important. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and so it would have was... looked real bad for like they was like, Oh, this commoner's always hanging out with the king. What the heck? Like, don't that it would have been very weird uh for for everyone involved probably right, so right. but there was good reason there was good reason that he was hanging out with the king because he was very yeah. useful um but uh he did uh kind of the earliest thing we know about him is when he did draw the attention of the king um he was a just a little spy little spy guy a little baby spy um, yeah, in the Secret Service's Novograd cell, um, he had obtained documents proving Michael de Nailis, um incompetence and the tragic situation of the state infiltrated by foreign intelligence. So in 1248, he wrote a letter to King Vitsimir II uh, addressed only for him or for his eyes only. Your royal eyes. Um, yeah, mm. addressed for your royal eyes only. Um the king took this information, um, imprisoned the Count de Nolas, and elevated Dijkstra to position of the royal security assignee. I feel like this um, is one of those things that happens in these kinds of stories and in his, historically. And if it goes well for you, then it goes really well because the king has a lot of power. But if and the if king is poorly, pissed off by poorly. that information or thinks you're lying, then it goes really bad for you. So this yeah. was a risk. Yeah, but it worked out for him. I mean, he had proof, so luckily he was able to present that. Um, he did a complete overall of the services structure, replacing moles with faithful men and expanding f operations from uh, into Kovir and the Nilfgaardian Empire. Um, and then during this time, moved his quarters to Oxenfurt um, and created this whole uh, like setup in the university. Uh, and it was also during this time that he started his romantic entanglement with Philippa Eilhart. Yeah, who is a very powerful sorceress. Mm -hmm. So that combination is particularly interesting. Very powerful spy, in fact, leader of the whole intelligence organization, and then very powerful influential, influential sorceress, both plotting with and against sometimes the king for their own gains at times and convincing him of things. It's quite a, quite a combo. Mm -hmm. Um, but moving on to, uh, the first Northern war, um, he of course had his, uh, little bit of a part to play in it. Um, he had faced a huge challenge with the Nilfgaardian military intelligence. Um, those among the state officials and aristocracy were basically using their like in to just throw away large sums of money uh, after they'd infiltrated them, which was causing a bit of a, you know, when, when you're throwing away the money then you, that you need for war, I mean, wartime is one of the biggest drains on financial resources. So, of course, that was an issue. Um, and then uh, just as things were starting to kind of pick up with Sintra hearing about, you know, Nilfgaard invading Sintra. Mm -hmm. um, they had already uh, had their impact, like the, the ones that infiltrated Redania, and they had killed a good chunk of the commanders uh, that of like the Redanian army, like in their sleep um, and burned military warehouses, killed horses, 
Like, basically, Nilfgaard set up their agents in Redania, and as soon as, like, things hit, like, on Sintra, they basically put them into full effect and were already at trying to weaken, you know, the Redanians yeah. at the time. Basically cut the head off the snake before the, the, the Redanians were even able to respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Man, those Nilfgaardians... Yeah, I mean, it's a smart move when you're in war. They're good at what they do. Yeah, but uh, luckily for for them, it didn't last long. He was able to uh, put the service's agents into effect uh, and summarily uh, essentially execute all of the traitors that they were able to find. Um, Though there was a lot of collateral when it came to uh, people who weren't guilty of being these spies in their midst, mm. uh, specifically a good chunk of non-humans. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So fa- and, uh, false accusals and the fallout from that. Yeah. And the ones that managed the, the spies that managed to get away uh, were still found and executed after. Yeah. We see uh, a little bit of this in the TV show. Mm-hmm. like it's not bit. it's not a big thing but there's definitely the whole like trying to weed out the the people in the community that aren't actually for them and and a lot of the the non-humans yeah um unfortunately for dick he tried to like trace back the ones that are really entangled in like the nobles of redania um but because of the results of of just the first part of the or the first northern war uh a truce was called and uh, he couldn't really do anything after that. Um, he was kind of mm-hmm. back at square one, which I guess for the spy master, it's very, uh, it's very irritating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, I can imagine that um, his goal is to weed everybody out. Right. But I'm mm-hmm. sure like in any other governmental system, once you start getting to the rich and powerful, that becomes more difficult. And then with the war ending, there's no real need to keep doing that. So let's just not do that anymore that's got to be frustrating um of course during this time um the the rumors of series importance were starting to get around to those people who had you know their ends deekster of course being one of them Mm -hmm. so in 1266 he recruited dandelion to be an informant and uh got yennefer to basically be his protector in this um big divergence from the show uh the the route they took with all of that um she ended up saving dandelion from riance uh because riance was also trying to torture the information out of dandelion mm-hmm. um so and, similar things but but a different reason yeah uh and uh dandelion was essentially put under uh Dijkstra's protection uh so that he could not be that no none of the nilf guardian agents could get to him um and meanwhile he was trying to get the information as well he was trying to find Geralt and siri figure out where they went right um yeah uh he later in june 1267 was informed that amir had learnt of a planned adernian illyrian staged attack on glevit glevitzingen (laughs) (laughs) these names are Uh, so good yeah and the imperial army had now moved into dull angra after receiving a message from King Dimovin III about the attack, he sent word via a royal messenger to inform Dimovin to not go through with the staged attack, as now Nilfgaard knew about their plans. However, it was learned too late, uh, and the message was never delivered, as the messenger had been killed in an isolated incident. So this is the in-between period. This is before things mm-hmm. kind of heat up for the second war. And yeah. uh, yeah. 
there's like a staging happening right like mm-hmm. the Guardians are preparing but they haven't quite uh, you know announced war or attacked there's still a lot of this like underlying stuff going on and yeah because they're still fighting regardless about like regardless of uh you know the so-called standstill i mean as we know they had like the natural boundary of the yoruga between like the northern kingdoms and nilfgaard but like you know you still during this portion even when you're not like at a full stage of war you're still doing skirmishes to like take out resources mm-hmm. whatever you're and poking you know, you're when, poking in case of nilfgaard that is incredibly important for the like the northern kingdoms to address because nilfgaard was so had such a heavy force like you can't reliably kill their forces you have to like take out the things that keep the forces going yeah you know? they, they were outnumbered by like 10 times if if i remember all the details when we went over it yeah like, it was it was an insane number so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh moving on to the coup on thaned which you haven't exactly talked about a lot of mm-hmm. uh i'm sure we will uh pretty soon given uh this is probably going to happen uh, well maybe not in uh season three we'll, we'll see. see we'll see the, the uh, news we'll about season three they, they put out a big announcement trying to spin it all good like there's going to be things no one's ever seen in the witcher universe before in the next season and it's like yeah that's a good idea there was things we'd never seen before in blood origin and that didn't we work still out wish so we great. hadn't seen them yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah uh he joined philippa on then at isle uh as part of their plan to take out the nilf guardian supporters before they could put their own coup in action because him and Philippa were planning on taking uh, authority for themselves because, you know, royalty can't be relied on. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> essentially there was a, there was a big banquet, you know, big political talks between like these big sorcerers, sorceresses, uh, names and whatnot. Um, eventually he was glad handing, making deals and whatnot now Ger- um, Garrett was involved with this Garrett was involved with that he was also there um with like he was there basically um if I remember correctly he was just on Yennefer's like arm the entire time <laughs> he was just like there was a lot of people being like one. oh look there's Yennefer's pet like right he was her, he was her plus one oh, yeah man. essentially yeah. um but they were planning on like rounding up all the Nilf Guardian supporters among like the sorcerers and they were going to essentially get rid of them mm-hmm. um they were working with kira metz on this um but unfortunately for them uh the island was invaded by Scoyatel, um and they were basically <laughs> taking out uh the as many of the uh the, the northern kingdoms uh like the ones on the side of the northern kingdoms and were, right uh they were they were just a bit too late unfortunately on this um and of course uh he was here and he Geralt was there um yeah my brain now sorry so, I have a headache coming on so this is <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's okay yeah. so Dijkstra Dijkstra was there Geralt was there a bunch of the sorceresses were there um was this the first time that they actually met in person uh, I think it might be I, I don't believe so. I believe there was a little bit of an encounter, but I don't know if it's Dijkstra was. I know he. Uh, there was an encounter in Oxenfurt mm-hmm. with Ryans. But was Dijkstra this, there? I Dijkstra was. I'm involved, trying to remember if Dijkstra was there, but I don't know that if he was there. Yeah, 
if anybody if anybody remembers the details on this one because this is, this is just kind of a little side note that i was just like wait a minute was this the first time um if anyone else remembers you know feel free to chime in or or send us a note on this but um so the scoil show show up kind of mm-hmm. ruin everything they, they assault the castle um if i remember correctly uh Dijkstra puts himself in the way of Geralt's um, because he's trying to get the information about Siri. He wants Siri as well. You know, that's the that's he's got to keep token. Geralt around yeah. in order to and get that. Yeah, Geralt was trying to go after her because I believe Siri was there. She they just kind of missed each other in like the the <laughs> conflict of things because she'd been brought by Yennefer and had been like put up with um, Tissaia uh, and. Vilgefortz was essentially trying to go after her and Geralt was trying to stop that. But Dijkstra put himself in the way, so Geralt was forced to fight the spy master, mm. um, who threatened to get like all of his troops to, to like come from the ships uh and attack Geralt and detain him. Um and Geralt was like, I don't have time for this, so he broke his ankle. And that was kind <laughs> of that's yeah. that was like the big start of their like relationship because Geralt <laughs> broke his ankle and this will this will be a sore spot for Dijkstra for the rest of the time we <laughs> physically know physically and emotionally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, that's great. So that's great. Uh, and that was about it for the the coup on Thaned as far as that their interactions go. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as kind of getting into the second Northern War, um. It was later revealed that the previous night, the the coup on Thaned, mm-hmm. that King Vitsamir had been assassinated uh, during all of that. Uh, and with the start of the Second Northern War, the country was, uh, or the Regency Council was put into effect to rule Redania, even though technically Queen Hedwig, uh, Vitsamir's wife, would have been the one in charge. That's such a good name. Um, but uh, they put the Regency Council into effect, and that was headed by both Philippa and Dijkstra, of course. Imagine that. Um, and Dijkstra kind of went a little overboard with this, considering uh, everything that had happened, and began to essentially execute people just relentlessly uh, for <laughs> two weeks, um, just hanging people, anyone that he thought was guilty of association or anything uh went on a real power trip essentially um later uh he found out that Geralt was in Broccolon but uh told them to like leave him alone uh even though he still wanted him to he wanted revenge at this point he was pissed <laughs> because <laughs> my ankle. Geralt broke his ankle <laughs> um you know I don't know it's it's a real sore spot for him I, i'm not sure why i mean i'd be upset if someone broke my ankle well he's but... a big imposing guy who feels like he has a lot of control over everything and when somebody yeah. like does something like that to you you're like well you're not gonna get away with it you know it's it's i feel like it's that sort of thing mm-hmm. um he's uh sent out letters to philippa um he had heard something that yennefer had cited with Nilfgaard and so was essentially trying to find proof of that um of course we know that that wasn't quite the case because she got turned into a statue and put in someone's pocket um it can't really <laughs> right. help anything about that unfortunately right yeah um <laughs> and 
but he was doing his spy thing, sending out information, finding information, trying to find Vilgefortz, um, Yennefer, uh, getting whatever news he could, trying to find Siri as well. Uh, and it was just a long period of, you know, a spy master doing his spy things. Right. But with more um, with more control because he didn't have to go to the king for permission mm -hmm. on things anymore, or at least report back and cover his tracks. If he was doing things, the King didn't want him to do or whatever. It was more yeah. openly in power at this point. Yep. Um, and later on, um, on the path of Vilgefortz, he had received some information that they, that led him to believe that they would, that Vilgefortz and Siri would be together. Um, and was able to actually root out, uh, one of uh or two of Vilgefortz's hideouts um but was unfortunately unable to find either of them present so hmm. um but they so did he's, find out he's still looking for siri that's why he's going through all this mm -hmm. he's basically looking for like any like strings of power he can pull whether it's like finding siri because she's like the linchpin in all of this finding yennefer because supposedly she's allied with nofgard and so she needs to die um all of this is finding any information he can that could help him either eliminate his enemies or give him the upper hand. Yeah. More in power this situation. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, we see that a lot with Dijkstra of like the commoner who's obsessed, like got into a position of power and just kind of became obsessed with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it's a common, I feel like that's a common trope. So it's nothing not a surprising thing for, for yeah. people who are familiar. Well, he, he can't fall back on like a title of nobility. He constantly mm -hmm. has to be proving himself and achieving things. And uh, as he's risen, and especially because he has to do with all of this covert stuff, he's very aware that anybody who can sneak up behind him could stab him in the back because mm -hmm. somebody else who wants his power could probably take it if they prove that they're better at what he does than he does than he mm -hmm. is so you've got that that conflict there of now he's in this in this role and he has to maintain it and it's i'm sure very stressful yeah and so. i mean as we i mean i think any good spy master paranoia is kind of a key thing you know? yeah <laughs> yeah let your guard down for an instant you're used to stabbing people in the back so <laughs> you can't let someone else do that to you right right so he he discovers some other stuff about uh vilgeforts and some experiments and things mm -hmm. uh he found out that vilgeforts had been experimenting on uh pregnant women um because vilgeforts was into some <laughs> very dark shit <laughs> yeah yeah all right well wow. he uncovered all that stuff too so um good job deekstra i guess I mean, put pressure on the dude doing the horrible things. At least he has to hesitate on doing those horrible things for a bit while he's running. So, yeah. Jeez. All right. Well, we've got more to talk about, but first we have to go thank our patrons. So we will be right back. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm -hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. All right, patrons, welcome to the Patreon. Uh, that doesn't make any sense because we don't have any what? new ones. That doesn't. Welcome to the middle of the show. There we go. Words are words are hard, guys. Um, 
But thank you to all of our patrons who support us. We don't have any new ones this week, but we do have our 12 current patrons and our higher vampires, Ben of Tamaria and Jared M. Thank you for supporting the show. We really do appreciate it. I hope you guys have taken a look at some of the new stickers and t-shirts that are available over on patreon.com slash witcherlorecast. I think you might like them. And if you'd like to support the show, then make sure you check those out and all the other things that you can get. We really do appreciate that. Also, if you'd like to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it out on a future episode. We uh, we don't have any new ones this week, but we'll make sure to do that. And uh, Genesis, who's in chat, uh, pointed out in our discord that Spotify has a big update. And on episodes of the show on Spotify, there's a little section that'll say, what did you think about this episode? Or we could put up like polls and stuff. So if you want to respond on there in order to send some positive vibes our way, like, hey, I really enjoyed this episode. or I didn't know this thing about this person or whatever. Feel free to do that because you can just do it right now on your Spotify app. If you're listening on Spotify, it kind of works like a review, but it's not for the entire show. It's like a comment on the episode individually. So it would be a little bit difficult for us to read all of those out because of just the complexity and also it could be like dozens of them as opposed to Mm -hmm. just a review for the show so um even if we're not going to read those out on a future episode please help us out and drop some positive comments in there and let us know what you like about the show we we would appreciate it and and again it does help people because i'm sure they're going to look at those and read them so thank you to all of all of your support and uh let's get back to the rest of the episode you smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. All right, we're back. And we're now talking, is this like post-Second War period? Uh, we're or? still kind of pre-war. We're still, yeah, something like that. It's it's kind of in the midst of things uh with it is because about yeah sort of (laughs) (laughs) okay well here well we'll... it's sort of post-war sort of like like towards the end of war because the end of the war has not happened yet i got you i got you but we're getting close to the end of the the war and then this next passage kind of goes into the post-war stuff okay that makes Mm -hmm. sense got it all right so what happens next uh so same year later in october um he travels to lanexeter capital of or the winter capital of cover and povis um and tries to barter with the the leader uh king estrad tyson to essentially get uh a loan of a million byzants so that he can try and raise an army in time for spring um and this is what know, this is what uh, armies do this is one of those traditional things in that uh, most militaries especially during like a medieval period didn't fight in winter weather because it was not useful or beneficial to anybody it was very difficult and so armies would go on break come late fall early winter and then would resume again in the spring mm-hmm. when the weather got better so especially in the northern kingdoms where it gets really cold this makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. and especially because Nilfgaard would not want to push in during the winter time for the harsh winters that some of these places have so um yeah but uh he spent some time there um he was refused the loan um because it would mess with Kovir's uh policies on neutrality and they had an agreement mm. that they would not back Nilfgaard's enemies um specifically uh so 
couldn't exactly receive direct help. However, uh, the king's wife, Zuleika, uh, gave him advice that showed him a loophole and was thus able to supply the spy master indirectly. Um, and even despite the, the, the denial from Astered, um, they still had struck up an unlikely friendship. Um, so he spent some time there uh, for uh or spent more time there than he anticipated um, having like philosophical debates, getting uh, words of wisdom from the King um, who was basically telling him that he needed to stop the bloodshed or he was going to, there was going to be assassins coming after him most likely because he wasn't, Dijkstra wasn't exactly uh, proving a very likable fellow in this time period. <laughs> I can imagine. So, I can imagine. Yeah. I think he's just kind of not a super great guy to have to get along. I mean, I feel like if you were going to have a conversation with Dijkstra, it's going to be all business. And mm-hmm. every other thing he's telling you is probably not the complete truth. Um, <laughs> At the yeah, same time. For sure. <laughs> That's just kind of uh, how it goes. Post... Uh, Post this trip to to Kovir, um, he started to develop some suspicion towards uh, Philippa Eilhart and the uh, circle of sorceresses that uh, she was involved with at Multicalvo when oh, the no. Lodge of Sorceresses was kind of coming into uh, being at this time. Um, he spent the time raising uh, troops, of course, um, keeping it a... Uh, or in using his assistant, Ori Reuven, which is a name that he will use later on, um, or part of that name later on for himself, um, secretly mm. with his assistant, um, specifically secretly from Philippa, because he didn't want her to know, uh, he started to reform the Order of the White Rose into the Order of the Flaming Rose, uh, with the specific aim to balance the rising position of sorceresses and aid the forces fighting Nilfgaard with a strong knightly order. So is this related to the religious stuff that was going on with mages being persecuted and all of that? Uh, I I think it'll start to lead into it. It's kind of like Um, the precursor of the stuff that we see in the Witcher three. Yep. So, because I think this, uh, this, kind of ideal it has is what has like a heavy impact on radovid the the king that will come afterwards who is mm-hmm. the one we know and like who persecutes all the witches and stuff later on so yeah so this is uh, kind of the seed that grows into that that's pretty cool mm-hmm. i mean it's terrible uh, but it's a cool a, a concept e- <laughs> that, that this is the way how it happened yeah yep <laughs> um and uh, so he started to also during this time try to spread out his like spy network um, into Tamaria specifically. Um, essentially, that's just the just what he was doing with that. Um, and he does during this time find out. Uh, I believe that uh, Philippa was responsible or not responsible, but had a hand in um, assassinating uh, Vitsimir. Um, which oh. really does uh, start to sow that uh, he was suspicious. And now he's like, okay, I don't like you. Um, and this will start leading into the downfall. Right. Um, so it wasn't and, something that they were in on together. She, she yeah. did it on her own and then she, he wasn't cool with it. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
And also, uh, after this, uh, he does get a, a letter from Geralt. Um, I'm sure he was very surprised by that. Um, who informs him exactly where uh, Vilgevort's hideout was in Stiga Castle in Ebbing. Um, but unfortunately, that was a bit too far south for uh, Dijkstra to have a hand in. Um, so he essentially made deals, let um, a significant figure uh, in the Temerian intelligence uh, know about it so that they could pursue the lead in exchange for um, the details on Vitsimir's assassination. Mm. Yeah, so he's working deals between other organizations to do things in places that he can't quite reach himself. And that's mm-hmm. how it came about, about the information. Interesting. Okay. And then we start to get into the end of the war um, with negotiating peace uh, or the peace of Sintra, um, negotiating peace with, with Nilfgaard somewhat. Which, of course, um, is going to last forever, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so, of course, uh, Queen Hedwig technically still supposed to be the you know, the leader of Redania, um, because, you know, her husband died, so it passed on to her, but, um, she was still not in a like mindset to be a ruler. So, um, when all of the other kingdoms rulers met in Sintra to discuss the peace in, uh, April 1268, uh, Dijkstra was sent along to join them. Um, However, he was, of course, like we said before, non-royal, and so he did receive quite a lot of flack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he that. was he was showing up to speak on behalf of the queen, but mm-hmm. the other rulers were like, "Who is this guy?" Yep. Um, but regardless, they still uh, peace was still negotiated, um, and he went back to uh, Tradegor in the capital of uh, Redania, and proceeded to pack his bags um, as he was found out that uh, Philippa had intended on sending assassins after him right, now. Right, so this is um, this is where it starts to come down, right? Like the whole, like, mm-hmm. you got to watch your own back. Things are, you're not as in control as you thought you were. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he... Uh, he had let a little bit too much slip about the information he had about uh, Philippa being involved with Vitsimir's uh, assassination. assassination. Yeah. So uh, he found out she was going to send assassins after him or assumed that she was going to send assassins after him because of that. He said goodbye to his assistant um, and essentially hit or fled the country um, to, to avoid being killed. Um, later meeting up uh, with Isengrim and Boreas Munn, uh, fellow fugitives, uh, and they, the three of them agreed to travel east uh, to Zerikania or Hockland, um, and Dijkstra took on the name of Siggy Reuven. Siggy Reuven. His, his alias. Now, this uh, is Reuven being his oh. assistant. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Now, this isn't the end of his story because this is like the end of the book part of his story. But mm-hmm. The Witcher 3 follows, well, The Witcher games in general follow the events of the, the stories. And in The Witcher 3, Dijkstra plays a significant role, but he's no longer at the, I don't know, the height of his power. He's mm-hmm. decided to find other means of uh, maintaining control. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so moving on into The Witcher 3, uh, Geralt does uh, run in 
uh, or you as Geralt will run into uh, Dijkstra yet again, uh, where you find him in Novigrad, uh, and he has essentially built up this criminal empire um, along with three other uh, criminal lords. Uh, They are known as the, like, Big Four. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a bit of a the journal entry that kind of talks about um about about siggy yeah. about siggy yeah about yeah sorry yeah. siggy Sh- should i should i <laughs> should i read this um, sure go ahead all right so the individual masquerading as siggy reuven was in fact none other than sigsmund dijkstra the former head of redanian intelligence and a man Geralt and i had many dealings with in the past had he had fallen out of king radovid's favor and nothing had been heard of him for many years now it seemed that he had finally decided to emerge from the shadows but instead of returning to high political wrangling he dove deep into the criminal underworld or underground same thing and quickly surfaced as one of its leading figures Though he did not show it in his own way, Dijkstra respected Geralt, even though the very thought of their last meeting brought a pained grimace to his face, (laughs) the ankle. The two had found themselves standing on each other's or in each other's way during the coup of Thanid Island. The stalemate was quickly broken when Geralt summarily broke Dijkstra's leg. This spy's life story would make for a positively enthralling adventure tale. A victim of Philippa Eilhart's intrigues, he had been forced to flee Redania at breakneck speed or have his own neck broken by assassins. For a certain time, he sought refuge in far-off lands, but in the end, he decided to return to the free city of Novigrad. Well aware of Geralt's extraordinary talents, Dijkstra asked him to help him find his stolen treasure. Though Geralt knew the identity of the criminal's mastermind responsible, he decided not to divulge this information and set about investigating as if the case were a complete mystery. Though the witcher's lips remained tightly sealed regarding my role in the treasure heights, Dijkstra still sniffed out his dishonesty and made it clear that much he disliked being played for how much he liked this how much he disliked being played for a fool okay (laughs) words are hard though Dijkstra did not aid the persecuted uh, mages out of the goodness of his heart Triss appreciated his support all the same for it proved vital to the endeavor's success Dijkstra opposed the mage hunts sweeping the city but for Philippa Eilhart he was willing to make an exception he had never forgiven his one-time friend for betraying and then trying to kill him unfortunately Geralt needed Philippa alive and knew how to free her Though Dijkstra craved vengeance, he was willing to resign from his plans in return for valuable information. Anyone who thought Dijkstra had broken all ties with the world of political schemers and plotters was sorely mistaken. His great comeback was to be a patriotic act that would free Redania from the rule of a madman, the assassination of King Radovid. So, yeah, interesting Uh, stuff. Yeah, so, of course, um, he's involved in a fair few quests, uh, uh, if this journal entry, uh, if you couldn't tell, written by from Dandelion's perspective, mm-hmm. um, so he's involved with that because Dandelion stole significant uh, amount of money from him, <laughs> um, helping Triss get the mages out of Novigrad, um, those quests. But the biggest, probably the biggest quest that he's involved in was Reason of State, um, where you're trying to assassinate Radovid. Um, and you can either uh, assist, of course, uh, in the assassination, um, or uh, you can choose to not, um, in which case uh, that is, I believe that is the swing factor in 
uh, Redania winning the war against Nilfgaard if Radifid stays alive. Um, mm. So nothing, nothing major there. If you don't help, you don't. We do not know the results of um, of what extra afterwards mm. okay. uh, with his involvement because I still believe he goes through with it regardless. We just don't know what happens because we just chose to stay out of it. But if you do get involved, um, Dijkstra does try to uh, betray the group that he involves in this afterwards. Um, so uh, a little <laughs> bit of that, this is also part of the journal entry as well. Uh, as an experience, if Geralt intervenes, uh, as an experienced dragon slayer once commented, more than once heads have only rolled after the dragon's been slain. The mead broken out and the campfire lit for when it comes time to share the treasure hunters of beasts often become slayers of men instead such was the case after the assassination of radovid when dijkstra tried to renege on the terms of their arrangement and do away with thaler and vernon uh dijkstra counted on Geralt maintaining witcher neutrality in this matter a miscalculation which cost him his life dun, dun, dun. Um, and if Geralt does not intervene um, to protect uh, Thaler and Vernon, uh, with this move, the former spy achieved his goal, fortifying himself in a position that allowed him to continue the war against Nilfgaard, becoming Chancellor of Redania and bringing in a new era of manufacturing to the region. Yeah, but we don't know which one of these is canon. Yeah, we, we don't. Also, it's sure we'll find out uh in eight years when the next game comes out um but <laughs> hopefully uh, it's not eight years yeah. but yeah uh, okay yeah and uh that's that's about it for witcher 3 we also do get a little bit of the extra in um other the other forms of media the witcher adventure game uh the gwent game mm-hmm. um and there was even a uh a like non-canonical short story um like specifically said to be non-canonical by Andrei Sapkowski himself. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's called Something In, Something Begins, uh, where Geralt and Yennefer get married. Um, huh. And he was invited to the wedding, but he decides not to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, but it's obvious that Dijkstra is a very, uh, very big like name in The Witcher because he's kind of in almost all of the the like the assets so yeah well he's a much more capable ruler i mean he's not a good person by any means but he's mm-hmm. much more capable than some of the uh the other nobility and some of the other kingdoms and kings and queens and whoever so yep. um and you know he he falls and gets back up as we see in the witcher 3 and that's you know there's got to be some credit due there i mean i do like until it gets to that part, like specifically of the assassination quest or whatever, I do like him. Like all of the interactions, I'm like, okay, this dude's cool. Like, like you even get like kind of a vibe that like you could be friends, like in the grand scheme. But then, right, you, know, you have to respect yeah. his capability. His like he's a, he's extremely capable, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's where that mutual respect comes between like Geralt and Dijkstra is that like mm-hmm. these are both extremely capable people, and you have to respect that at least. Yeah. So, well, we get, we get him in Netflix in the Netflix stuff, but only a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We've only seen a little bit so far. Um, I'm sure we're going to get more out of him next season. Um, 
but he's uh we're not sure yet specifically about like how much his mannerisms may have changed or the methods he takes or where his story goes or if it he has the same kind of backstory mm-hmm. because he kind of just shows up in a cool moment of catching an assassin which, you know it's cool but we're not entirely sure where or right. how much difference there is yet What's he but he has there? had his yeah. uh hands in a couple big things so far in the netflix story um he does of course find out about the elves uh and nilfgaard like kind of camping out in sintra uh so he sends uh the spy over there to basically be his eyes and ears on that whole situation um i just had his name but it like slipped my mind yeah i can't remember um, his name either but uh if you've seen it you you know the 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 guy that's the elf spy yeah he's, he was friends with siri in the first season right uh, yeah right. So, and then he starts um, feeling like sketchy about what he's doing and while he's over there and all that yeah yeah um and then uh he does have a bit of a meeting with uh the brotherhood um he informed them that an elven baby had been born of a mage you know uh francesca's child um they uh Arturius and Stregobor, um saw this as a potential threat uh they were already uh aligned or who were already aligned with Nilfgaard um Tissaia and Vilgefortz didn't really care that much about the information though um I, I Stregobor only cared about the information because he was racist let's be honest <laughs> right <laughs> yeah right. um <laughs> and he uh Dijkstra said that today's gossip because they called it rumor and uh, unsubstantiated and so today's gossip was next month's news um and that uh he had heard that tris had returned and the council had not yet heard about that so basically like hitting them with info that they had not yet known about Mm. um kind of a flex move um and then he does discuss um where he has a scene where he talks with uh king vitzemir about uh basically getting Siri so that they can basically they can implement the you know someone having power over Sentra right um right it's kind of it seems like a very much a like a setup scene for things that we mm-hmm. see that yeah like we don't yet. see it's all kind of set up with him we do see like a bit of a scene where he's kind of like doing his like his calculations and he looks like he's having kind of a fit of madness uh yeah yeah so i'm not sure that's a hint of like how he's gonna end up being like is like a bit crazier Um, yeah it seems like they're going in that route and he's 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 an interesting enough character on his own you don't need to mm -hmm. make him insane or something like yeah but who knows who knows what netflix is gonna do they're gonna do they're gonna do whatever they do and we'll see where it goes yeah but um but yeah hopefully they they do him well because he is one of the most interesting characters in the series and will have i mean when he gets involved with things things change like he has a noticeable effect on everything that he gets his hands in so mm-hmm. as as a spy would do so yeah 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 cool stuff Tosi. um this has been fun this is a great episode and uh thanks for filling us in on all of that stuff you got anything else going on you want to share before we head out uh same stuff as usual um still doing the cyberpunk lore cast um we just uh did an episode on japan 
Uh, so getting into some of the, some of the the tea there, um, and then I also do the Cyberpunk Red Actual Play podcast, Cyberpunk Cyberpunk Apostrophe D, with the fumbling for an almighty crit game. Yeah, let's go check that stuff out. Links over on robotsradio.net for all of that stuff and my shows as well. So if you're into any other series that like any of these other video game series or the Lord of the Rings, I've got Lord of the Rings, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Mass Effect, a bunch of other shows, uh, Starfield, but that got pushed back to the fall. So if you're into any of that other stuff and you want more podcasts to listen to, just go check them, check them all out. Go listen to them all at the same time. It'll Simultaneously. Be, it'll be weird. But uh, on 1.5 times speed. No, yeah. Yeah. We've set them all up. It's one of those things that we worked a lot on that actually works if you play them all at the same time and it turns into a completely different show. So give that a try. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see you guys next time. Toasty. Stay safe on the path. We'll see you then. So see you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Witcher Lorecast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with the games and the books and the TV series and all your thoughts on everything. Please check out the Robots Radio Discord and follow us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.